everyone, and welcome back to the Football Chuggy Podcast. My name is Thomas Durning, and today I am joined by my co-host, Pierce McLaughlin. Hello, Pierce. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. On today's podcast, we will be reacting to last weekend's English FA Cup results. Uh, we'll talk about the passing of Franz Beckenbauer. And at the end of the podcast, Pierce will be giving a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So um, last weekend, we had um, the third round of the FA Cup matches. So uh, there's quite a lot to go through, so I'll just quickly go through them. And then at the end, at the end of that, we'll, we'll discuss some of the matches. So we had Crystal Palace nil, Everton nil, Brentford 1, Wolves 1, Fulham 1, Rotherham nil, Tottenham 1, Burnley nil, Maidstone United 1, Stevenage nil, Coventry 6, Oxford United 2, Millwall 2, Leicester 3, AFC Wimbledon 1, Ipswich 3, Sunderland 0, Newcastle 3, Wofford 2, Chesterfield 1, Stoke City 2, Brighton 4, Gillingham 0, Sheffield United 4, Blackburn Rovers 5, Cambridge United 2, Newport County 1, Eastleigh 1, Norwich City 1, Bristol Rovers 1, QPR 2, Bournemouth 3, Plymouth Argyle 3, Sutton United 1, uh, Southampton 4, Walsall 0, Hull City 1, Birmingham 1, Sheffield Wednesday 4, Cardiff City 0, Chelsea 4, Preston 0, Swansea 2, Morecambe 0, Middlesbrough 0, Aston Villa 1, West Ham United 1, Bristol City 1, Nottingham Forest 2, Blackpool 2, Luton Town 0, Bolton 0, Peterborough 0, Leeds United 3, Shrewsbury 0, Wrexham 1, West Brom 4, Aldershot Town 1, Man City 5, Huddersfield Town 0, Arsenal 0, Liverpool 2, and last but not least, Wigan Athletic 0, Man United 2. So, as I just said, there was a lot of FA Cup matches there. We're not going to get through them all. So, I don't know if there's a match in there, Pierce, that, that you know, you liked or that stood out, that stands out to you. Um, is there? What, what, what do you think? Yeah, um, there's one that kind of interested me. Um, I watched the uh, the was it the QPR two Bournemouth three, um, and QPR were two 0 up in the first half. Um, and obviously Scotland striker Lyndon Dykes get the second one. Um, and in the second half, uh, you talk you touch on it um quite a lot in this podcast about uh, Ariola and the job he's doing at Bournemouth after a sticky little start. Um, he must have gave them a roll kind of half time because in the second half it was just constant pressure. And a uh, former, uh, former Bournemouth goalkeeper, uh, Asmir Begovic, playing for QPR now, um, had to make some tremendous saves. And, and eventually the pressure told in the second half and scored some great goals. And uh, Justin Cliver, um, I think he got the winner. Um, but um, no, that was that was quite a, an intriguing contest because obviously Loftus Road was bouncing in the first half and I think they were shell-shot because they thought in their 2-0 lead in the FA Cup, you think, game's done. 
going to the next round and then second half just the the Premier League quality that just showed in the end um, and it just showed you the difference between Premier League and the Championship and for me that was a brilliant game yeah so the other, the other time would be um, Sunderland now uh, Newcastle 3 and obviously newly appointed Sunderland manager Michael Beale um, had off to a sticky start in his uh, tenure and obviously got a couple of decent results in the Championship recently but, um, but obviously you're coming against um, Newcastle, Premier League side, obviously they've had their struggles recently, Eddie Howe, um, and even some shot callings for his head, which I think is ridiculous considering where they were only two or three years ago under Steve Bruce, um, toiling at the bottom half of the Premier League. Um, obviously now get a Premier League Premier League uh, top four finish last season, get into Champions League, beat PSG St James's Park, so I think Newcastle fans need some perspective and um, on the day, they're just too good for Sunderland. Um, but obviously, big derby match isn't the biggest in the UK. We all know it's uh, Celtic versus Rangers. That's the biggest derby match. Nothing compares. And obviously, Michael Beale's tasted that in Glasgow, and also it's um, down in Sunderland versus Newcastle. And again, he just fails to win uh, any derby matches. So um, fair play to him for doing that and being consistent that way. Um, but yeah. Uh, no, that was that was the two standard fixtures for me. Uh, I so <clears throat> there was there's a, I mean it's it's quite hard to go through them all. Maybe you're not you're never going to get through them all. Um, I firstly want to point out, uh, Maidstone United one, Stevens nil. That's Maidstone. Uh, they're the lowest ranked FA Cup team, and they are still in the division. They are still sorry in the in the FA Cup. Uh, so that was quite. That's a massive result for them. Um, you know, and for a small club like Maidstone, uh, you know the money that they'll get gain from that. And uh, I, I'm not sure who they play in the next round, but um, if it's a glamour tie, then you know the money that they're going to generate from that is going to be amazing. So, uh, congratulations to Maidstone. And actually, Stephen are doing pretty well. They're quite high up in League One, so uh, that's quite a big result for them. Is that, is uh, that obviously they like just George Lacopi's side, uh, the former Wolves defender? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Uh, he used to be the Wolves player, so um, yeah, so he he's also well known as well. But Maidstone United, you know, big congrats to them because that's that's it's always good to see these kind of clubs going far in the FA Cup and uh, other cups as well. So um, it helps them a lot in terms of future uh, revenue and stuff. So congrats to them. And then you've also got I I just want to briefly touch on uh, what you were just talking about the Sunderland Newcastle match. Uh, you know we haven't had. A thing we are Derby, things like Derby for a long, long time, uh, quite a good few years now. Uh, and before that match, Newcastle hadn't won in the Derby in about eleven years, so they had quite a lot to prove. Um, and on the day, it just kind of showed the gap between the two clubs, and also the gap between Premier League and Championship. To be honest, because Newcastle won that match pretty, pretty comfortably. Um, you know they had no real danger or anything. Um, and that's quite a big match for Newcastle as well because they've not been in a great run of form at all. They've not won many matches. I think it was only like one win six maybe. Uh, and Eddie Howe was under a bit of pressure, and if they'd have lost that, the pressure would have just went up a whole other level. Um, so uh, yeah, so for Newcastle to go there and win three 0 it's it's brilliant. And also that I think it's a really good derby. You know the atmosphere in that derby is always really good. Um, you know. Probably my favourite derby in England, and um, just in terms of the passion between the two fans. So 
Um, yeah, so obviously that match as well, which is a standout. Uh, I just want to briefly touch on Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal nil, Liverpool too. Uh, I can't quite believe Arsenal never won that. The chances they had in that match were incredible. I just, you know, they could have been four or five nil up at half time, and they just didn't take any of their chances. I think Kai, Kai Havertz had three golden chances, and he just didn't take them. And you could just see it coming, you know. Art Liverpool were hanging in there, but you could just see it that Liverpool were just going to go go on the counter attack or something and or score from a set piece. And the two goals come from a set piece and a counter attack, and you just I wasn't even surprised, you know. It's uh, it I could just see it coming. And uh, yeah, a, a lot of problems at Arsenal at the moment. You know, that's I think that's their third loss in a row now. They've not had a great they didn't have a great December. Um, you know that's them now out the cup. You know they've lost ground in the Premier League, um. So yeah, so the, the, there's quite a few issues there at the moment. They're dying for a striker, like they really need a top top striker in there to come in and Ivan take Tony. these chances. Say again, Ivan Tony. Ivan Tony, he's one been mentioned quite a lot. Uh, I think he did an interview about yesterday saying about how much he wants to repay Brentford in terms of sticking for sticking up for him and stuff and kind of standing by him. So I don't know. But if Brentford were to sell him to Arsenal, the money is going to be huge. Brentford will want huge money, and I don't think Arsenal in January. I think I said this last week in the podcast, I don't think you're going to get a striker. Mm. Top, top striker in January, unless you're going to pay lots and lots of money. Um, so, uh, but it is an interesting one for Arsenal, because going back to it, they really need a striker, because they're just creating so many chances, and they're just not taking them. And uh, we have to talk about, for me, don't know about you, Pierce, but it's goal of the round, and that's Patrick Bamford's goal in the Leeds United 3, Peter Brunel. I mean, the technique on it was just incredible. Uh, you know, such a good goal to watch. Um, we've, had a quite, we've had quite a good few goals, really good goals this season. You know, I had Garnacho's a few weeks ago at Bamford's um, on Sunday. Uh, just from the top of my head, so uh, we've been quite lucky with goals this season in terms of how good they've been, but that was definitely for me goal around. And Patrick Bamford, I thought it was brilliant. And then, yeah, uh, so obviously, um, there was quite, there was quite a few draws in there. So um, the third round replay, so the, the the matches that drew the weekend, not a lot, but I'll just go through them quickly. So Bolton, Luton, Blackpool, Nottingham Forest, uh, Wolves, Brentford, Bristol Rovers, Norwich City. Birmingham, Hull City, Eastleigh versus Newport County, Bristol City versus West Ham, and Everton versus Crystal Palace. So they matches have to be played again in, in a replay. Uh, they matches will be played in a cup in I think it's next week. So uh, yeah, so got these matches to um to still f- figure out who goes through to the, the fourth round. Um so we'll move on to uh, the sad news that um, on Monday the 8th of January it was announced by uh, the family of Franz Beckenbauer that Fran- Franz Beckenbauer had, um, had passed away so uh, Franz Beckenbauer was mostly known for playing for Bayern Munich uh, he'd made 427 appearances and he scored 60 goals um, you know um, he also won the World Cup both as a player and a manager um, he's highly, highly regarded as 
the best player of all time, um, I'm not sorry, best German player of all time, um, and he's got the nickname Der Kaiser, which means the Emperor in English. Uh, so, Pierce, what's your thoughts about the passing of Bre- Franz Beckenbauer? Uh, it's another it's another sad day for uh, world football because I think he wasn't just recognised and adored in Germany; he was recognised the world over, having played um, in Germany for Bayern Munich, later late at Hamburg um, at the end of his career, and obviously played in MLS with uh, Pele at um, New York Cosmos. But no, I think people remember him because he cre- he created a a sweeper role. Um, and he was so calm and composed. The only player I can really compare him to in the modern era would be two players would be um Franco Baresi and Paolo Maldini. Players that never really got dirty and physical. Cause at that that time when he was playing, sixties and seventies and eighties, people would kick the lumps at you. There was no shin guards, there was like metal boots, like, but he was one that just kinda emph- emphasized elegance. And uh, I think he was a defender that like he didn't get dirty with shots or top. He only made a tackle when he needed to, and obviously he had the quality, like you said, a defender that scored sixty goals. And I was looking at some of his highlight reels this morning. Um, some of the goals are outrageous: free kicks, penalties, uh, runs for about thirty-five, runs for his run half, and then rocket in top corner. Um, I think he was a defender that had a lot. He was really good on the ball, comfortable, tall, strong, physical. Um, I think he, he he was one of these players that was a generational talent, one that was kind of too good for his era and he kind of moved football forward. So I think that's why people nowadays, like there's so many ball-playing defenders. Um, I think he created that that pathway. So it's a very sad day. Um, and obviously we've, we've lost so many icons and heroes of football recently and I think he's just another one to add to the list. And obviously you, you mentioned it. He won the the World Cup as a player and the manager, which is only three people in the world have ever done that, and that is incredible. And as a def- for a defender, he won two Ballon d'Ors, and yeah. I think he was the one that got Bayern promoted, and he got the first four Bundesligas for Bayern Munich. So he created that winning mentality at Bayern, and since then they haven't been relegated. So I think that's why. In Munich and Bavaria, he's regarded as the man, and rightly so. I think he was a tremendous footballer, and it's a sad, sad day for the the world of football to lose such an iconic figure. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, you know, he's an absolute total. He was an absolute total legend of football. Um, in my opinion, he was Germany's best ever player. Um, in terms of seeing, in terms of football, um. You know, you were just talking about that. He basically invented the role of the sweeper. You know, because I think he started off um, as a midfielder, but then he kind of moved into central central defence and, you know, the kind of way he kind of brought the ball out from the back and stuff. As you said, like, back then, football wasn't really like that. It was quite, it was so different. The ball was up in the air a lot, but he kind of had that kind of elegance. Uh, I think he he played in the, the World Cup the year England won. I think that was kind of his kind of his breakout moment. I think he was only twenty years old, and he played in that final that England, uh, that England won. Um, you know, and there was a there's a famous story as well about, I think it was the World Cup after that 
I'm not sure if it was that World Cup that England won, the Beckenbauer and Bobby Charlton were playing against each other. And um, Alf Ramsey, who was England manager at the time, told Bobby Charlton for the full match, just man-mark Beckenbauer. And Beckenbauer was told by his manager to mark Bobby Charlton the full, the full match. So uh, it was quite, because they two were also the star players for both Germany and England. And uh, they were just not involved in the game at all. Apparently, because they just both had to man mark each other, uh, so they hardly get any touches the ball. So that was quite that's quite a famous story. Um, he's also Beckenbauer. He's also uh, one of nine players to have won uh, the World Cup, the European Champions Cup, and the Ballon d'Or. Which again, it's just you know it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant achievement. It really is. Um, you know, yeah, he was just in terms of Bayern Munich, but like he basically is Bayern Munich. Like, Bayern Munich wouldn't be the club they are if it wasn't for him. Uh, you know, the, the, how much he won for them in terms of German titles and Champions Leagues, European Cups. You know, he, he did it all in football. Uh, you know, just a just a magnificent player. Um, you know, and he's going to be sadly missed in Germany. Uh, because we were also just, at the start, we were discussing the fact that Beckenbauer was one of three men to have won the both World Cup as a player and manager, and that was also Didier Deschamps, who's a current France manager, and also Mario Zagallo, uh, and he actually died last Friday as well. Uh, so we've kind of lost two legends in the space of a few days. Uh, so kind of at the moment, Didier Deschamps, the only person, living person, to have won both the World Cup as a player and manager. So, um, but come back to uh, Beckenbauer, it's a really it's a really kind of sad day or for the world of football. Um, you know, he was a brilliant player and uh, he's going to be really missed uh, in the world of football and also uh, German football. Um, so for the final part of the show, Pierce will now give his Asian football roundup. Yeah, so it's going to be a, a lengthy one today. It's quite a lot of Asian football news to get through. So we'll start off with... Um... Uh, Japanese club uh, Machida Zilvia um, have confirmed the signing of uh, Na Sang-ho from FC Seoul. Um, the top goal scorer of the K-League ones for the K-League 1 side last season and what was a disappointing campaign. Um, but it's definitely a statement signing from the G-League 1 newcomers um, and their maiden campaign in the G-League 1. Um, signing a Korean internationalist who has played at a major World Cup finals back in Qatar 2022. Um, Vassil Kobe are not renewing the contract of Juan Mata, who joined the G League One club back in September. Mata played a grand total of 10 minutes back in round 27 and spent the rest of the season either on the bench or out of the squad. Strange decision given his quality. Um, his short spell in Japan is now over, but again, um, leaves as a, ch- a champion and will be adored by the fans. Yeah, so one matter then said um, a goodbye message. Thank you very much to all my teammates and all the people who are part of Vassil Kobe for this for these unique months with you. It has been an incredibly interesting experience that ended in the best possible way, making history, winning the league for the very first time for our club. I'm really happy to have been a part of your family. It's such an important moment. Um, that will be remembered forever. I wish you all the very best for the future. Of course, thank you very much to our fans. You are the most special memory of these months and I'll keep your love and respect with me forever. Incredible people, incredible culture, 
I've learned so much from you. Uh, I'm looking forward to continuing enjoying football somewhere else and hopefully keep winning trophies and let that streak continue. Gracias, Ivamos, Vassell Kobe. Yeah, so um, Sue and Simpson Blue Wings have appointed Young Ki Hun as a full time manager of the team following his caretaker uh, stint in charge last season. Um, so the club have now obviously been relegated from the K League One to the K League Two, and they've also appointed um, Park Kyung Hun as director of football. This is the first time in the club's history that a former player has been appointed as a director. And obviously, um, sad day in Japan. Yoshito Endo, 43, has announced his retirement from professional football after 26 years of playing uh, professional football. A gamble soccer legend, having amassed over 607, amassed, um, 607 games between 2001 and 2021. And he's also a Japan legend, having amassed 152 caps between 20, 2002 to 2015. Played at three major World Cup finals in 20, 2006, 2010 and in 2014. Endo will now become a coach at his former club, Gambosaka, in the J-League 1 after hanging up his boots at uh, his last club, Jubilo Awata. So it's official. As a reporter on last week's podcast about the potential move of Yasuki Edaguchi to Fisel Kobe, that has now been confirmed. Um, so he's now left the Scottish champions and he's now joined the Japanese champions uh, for a fee of £850,000. Um, and, and a message on his Instagram page to, um, to all Celtic fans, I'll never forget my memories of Glasgow. Thank you for all of you. I'm cheering you on from Japan. Thank you. Um, so it looks like forgotten Celtic defender um, Yuki Kobayashi is set to return to the J League 1 um, and join Yokohama F. Marinos. It remains to be seen whether it's a loan or if an option to buy just a straight loan um, or a straight option of uh, selling. Um, it's now a move that would see Kobayashi reunited with former Celtic um, coach and now Yokohama F. Marinos manager Harry Kuehl. Urare Diamonds are on the verge of signing Norwegian international Ola Solbakken on loan from parent club AS Roma. Um, he's, he's currently on loan at Greek side um, Olympiakos, but has only made three appearances this season. And a short-term loan move to Japan could be what kick-starts the 25-year-old's um, career um, back on track as he's increasingly looking for minutes on the part. This would be a statement signing for Ura Diamonds because he was a star player for only a couple of years ago for... Um, um, what was the team again, mate? Solbakken. Uh, Bodo Glimt. Is it? Aye. So he was a, he was a star player for um, Bodo Glimt only a few seasons in Europa League. Um, and Celtic fans will know him very well, um, having terrorised him a little bit. Um, so the Samurai Blue continues to impress in their second last warm-up game before the Asian Cup starts. So they recorded an impressive final victory over Thailand, um, which means that Japan have now won the last nine matches scoring nine, 39 goals and conceding just the five goals. So Japan's last nine matches look like this. Japan 6, El Salvador 0. Japan 4, Peru 1. Germany 1, Japan 4. Japan 4, Canada 1. Japan 2, Tunisia 0. Japan 5, Myanmar 0. Syria 0, Japan 5. And Japan 5, Thailand 0. So Japan will play Jordan... Um, which is just currently playing at the, uh, at the time we're recording. Um, and it will be a final friendly before the Asian Cup. 
So Japan kick off their AFC Asian Cup 2023 campaign on Sunday the 14th of January as they host Vietnam in the opening Group D game. And South Korea also continue to impress and use the most of their squad in preparation for the Asian Cup kicking off this weekend. Um, so South Korea defeated Iraq by a solitary goal in what was a good test for Klinsman to get minutes in the likes of his fringe players and rest his key players um, who all came on as late sub- second-half substitutes. Um, in South Korea's last six matches, they have won all six, scoring 21 goals and conceding zero. An impressive run of forms for South Korea and it will stand them in good stead for when they kick off their Asian Cup 2023 campaign. South Korea host Bahrain on Monday, the 15th of January, as they kick off their Group E campaign. So Gangwon FC have signed a strategic partnership with Spanish La Liga club Sevilla FC. The agreement will, will strengthen the presence of the Sevilla FC brand in South Korea while uh, the South Korean club seeks a strategic leap in quality thanks to the experience and knowledge of Sevilla FC. So Sevilla will help the Korean club to learn how to spot young talent in South Korea, provide intensive training programmes both in Seville and Gangwon-do um, for Korean footballers looking to improve their skills and abilities, as well as coaches for different age groups of the club. So Sevilla FC president Jose Maria Del Nido Carrasco values the importance of this strategic setup. Um, it is an honour to be able to work hand-in-hand with Gangwon FC, I'm sure this agreement will help both um, entities who share a firm commitment to growth based on technological development and young talent to grow. So Gangwon FC President Kim Byung-ji um, highlighted the impact of this partnership for the K-League One club. Um, Sevilla FC is one of the most important clubs in Europe and the world and has been able to develop on its own, use its own strategy and philosophy. Um, it has grown to the development of star players to become kings of the Europa League. Um, it is this inspiration for what Gangwon FC intends to do, and I'm sure that this agreement will allow it, and I hope that this cooperation will be long-lasting. And that is all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Football Chuggy podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Chuggy YouTube channel, and also the Football Tribute website. Thanks for listening, and see you soon. Bye-bye.